tonight on Huckabee, political consultant Roger Stone. They brought this enormous battering ram up to my front door. Congressman Matt Gates. We're starting to see some real infringements on people's liberties. And Clint Black celebrates America. That's Trey Corley at the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. And welcome to our show. You know, we continue to bring you The Huckabee Show in the most creative way possible. And since we can't be in our beautiful theater in Nashville with a live studio audience, our brilliant audience experience coordinator, Wynette Turner, is inviting viewers to get virtual tickets to the show. As we invite people to meet me at the couch, our viewers are getting pretty creative in watching the show. And each week, someone who pre-registers for virtual tickets is randomly selected to receive some pretty cool swag from the show. The information is on your screen, or you can go to Huckabee.tv and get your virtual tickets and meet me at the couch. Well, the Democrats have proposed the Green New Deal, and the basic tenets of it have now been embraced by their presumptive nominee, Joe Biden. Those pushing the radical notion of ending fossil fuel use within 10 years because... Well, after all, they believe the earth is only going to last for 11 years. They've said, we've got to do this now. So before you vote for Joe Biden to be president and for Democrats in the House or Senate or in the governor's office in your state, you might just consider what the Green New Deal would mean to you. Now, it's easier than ever to explain what it would mean to you. Because if you have enjoyed the stay-at-home orders and the inability to travel during the coronavirus scare, you are really going to love the Green New Deal. Airplanes, cars, trucks, and cruise ships aren't going to be around under the Green New Deal because, after all, they run on fossil fuels, which, by the way, we have plenty of. In fact, we could go for hundreds of years on existing resources and still not run out. Now, the pandemic has caused people to stay home for fear of a virus. In the Green New Deal, you'll stay home because unless you can walk or ride a bike, you aren't going to have a way to get to grandma's house or the store, church, or to take a vacation. And since meat will mostly be eliminated because cows and other livestock produce methane gas when they, well, when they pass gas, grocery shelves are going to be stocked with tofu and plant substitutes instead of my beloved ribeyes and pork chops. Now, if you eat that tofu stuff, there's probably going to be another toilet paper shortage. But unless you live on a farm, since trucks aren't going to be allowed to burn fuel and bring produce to your supermarket, I'm not sure how your groceries are going to get to you anyway. So you better learn how to plant a garden. Well, that is, unless you live in Michigan, where the governor there doesn't think you ought to be able to buy vegetable seeds or go fishing. And next, look around your house for some plastic things that you have and that you use. Better hang on to them if you like them, because they disappear with the Green New Deal. And I'm not sure how you're going to power your iPhone, laptop, or your TV when you've got to run your entire household on the amount of electricity provided by a hamster running on a little wheel. And get used to washing your clothes the way your great-grandmother did, with a washing board and drying them with a clothesline in your lawn or apartment balcony. I hope you don't mind your neighbors seeing your underwear waving like a team flag at the playoffs. And by the way, if you live in a cold climate, be really careful about those frozen articles of clothing. They will actually break like glass if you aren't careful. 
one of the worst whippings I ever got when I was a kid was for going out and breaking my grandmother's frozen underwear that was hanging on the line after a hard freeze. Well, we've experienced lots of inconveniences during the pandemic, but at least we believe they're temporary. In the Green New Deal, we're talking about permanent changes of the way we live. And I hope you liked online church because unless you live in walking distance, you're gonna be out of luck. Remember, no cars. But younger people who might think that Greta Thunberg is some kind of prophet, and also those who push for these measures, I just say, get ready for the sacrifices of giving up air conditioning in the summer and fossil-fueled heat in the winter, both at home and at school. Now, to help students prepare, I think we ought to go ahead and turn off the AC at their schools and disable air conditioning in their cars in the summer. Hey, they ain't gonna like that in Arizona. And just like their ancestors who walked or maybe rode mules to school, students under the Green New Deal for sure are gonna walk, but the mule, out of the question, because it might emit flatulence, which according to the disciples of the Green New Deal, will destroy the planet Yes, a hidden blessing to all of us, losing jobs, income, freedom, mobility, investment, retirement accounts, convenience, and all forms of common sense is that we are now better prepared to live in an America run by the people who think you'd rather have their Green New Deal than to enjoy the benefits of a free market and a free people. If Americans really are dumb enough to elect politicians who will destroy our freedom and our prosperity, then the coronavirus ain't the worst thing that can happen to our brains and our country. My first guest is without doubt a colorful and controversial figure. He's famous for his flair and flamboyance, but being eccentric is not a crime. By the way, he's also worked on dozens of political campaigns from Richard Nixon to Ronald Reagan to Donald Trump and he's authored numerous books recounting his years of experience in American politics. Fast forward to November of last year. He was convicted on charges of lying to investigators and witness tampering, all relating to the FBI's investigation into disproven allegations of Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. My guest says his only crime is supporting President Trump. Roger Stone, thank you so much for being with us. Delighted to have you here. Governor Huckabee, thank you very much for the opportunity. As you know, uh, I have been gagged by a federal judge essentially since the time that these charges were brought against me. So I've had no ability to defend myself while the fake news uh, uh, like CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post unleashed a tsunami of disinformation and smear against me. So it, it is really great to finally have my voice back. I got a lot of catching up to do because for a year, those media outlets and some even worse kept saying, Roger Stone will be charged with treason. Roger Stone will be charged with espionage. Roger Stone will be charged with the receipt of stolen emails. Roger Stone was the link between the Russians and Donald Trump. And of course, none of those things are true. Roger, I think a lot of people were shocked that the judge issued a gag order and basically said that you could not defend yourself. Uh, it seems like a trampling of your basic fundamental constitutional rights of free speech. Just because you are uh, accused or even convicted of a crime, it doesn't mean 
that you can't talk about yourself. Now, your attorney may tell you to be quiet, but I was shocked by that. But I want to go back to the, the FBI raid at your house. 29 agents in full SWAT gear burst into your house at 6 o'clock in the morning last January. I mean, this was uh, overkill that was unbelievable, and a CNN crew was outside, just happened to be on your lawn when all this happened, and said it was their news instincts that led them there. Take us back to that day. Uh, they arrived in 17 armored vehicles. There was a government helicopter overhead. They had a canine unit of dogs, uh, which is really scary. They brought this enormous battering ram up to my front door. They completely surrounded the house. Uh, on the canal where I used to live, there were two amphibious units. And all of this for the arrest of a 67-year-old vigorous man uh, for nonviolent process crimes. Now, I know from the security camera footage that the CNN crew arrived exactly 11 minutes before the FBI and set up 25 feet from my front door. What I didn't know then, but I know now, is the FBI had sealed the street from all other media and uh, spectators. Only CNN was given this exclusive. Uh, this was obviously meant to, to uh, defame me with the public. All they had to do was call my lawyer tell me I was being charged, and I certainly would have turned myself in, and I could have saved the taxpayers, I hope you're sitting down, $1.1 million for this raid on my home. See, I think that's what people need to understand, that this was a simple matter, Roger, that uh, your attorney gets a phone call, say, we want to uh, arraign Mr. Uh, Stone, and that would have happened, and that would be the way that this would typically be handled, unless you were a drug lord and you were sitting on top of uh, very sophisticated weapons, which you weren't. The whole thing smacks of uh, government overkill. You've said, and I think it's probably true, you just picked the wrong person to support for president. You picked Donald Trump. You've known him a long time. Um, there is talk that he may give you a pardon. And I think a lot of people, including me, hope that he does. How's that coming along? Well, uh, as you know, the judge uh, denied our motion last week for a new trial based on the egregious conduct of the four women of the jury who lied about her anti-Stone and anti-Trump social media history in 2019 and then tried to delete all of that to hide her bias. Uh, I have an appeal, obviously, and if I am required to appeal, I will. I think there's many flaws in my trial. I have excellent appeal lawyers, but governor, they cost a million dollars. I have gone yeah. through every resource yeah. I have in my first trial. So I am praying fervently uh, for a pardon. This is in the hands of God. Roger, you mentioned your faith and a reaffirmation of that. I know that there are people who are going to be cynical and say, yeah, Roger's having some uh, jailhouse religion. But I read what you said. I, I, I was touched by it. Well, Governor, I was uh, uh, born a, a Roman Catholic. I received all my sacraments in that church. My, sorry, that is the one of the Huckabee fans here who's a dog. Uh, uh, I, and I had, admit that I had fallen away from the church and I had fallen away from his path. Uh, and uh, this entire experience uh, is, a, is really a wrenching uh, experience. I have been destroyed financially. And I was in a period of just enormous anger 
and turmoil. I couldn't sleep. Uh, and then a friend of mine, Reverend uh, Randy Coggins and Reverend Mark Burns, who's a, uh, an African-American pastor that I met during the Trump campaign, both urged me uh, to, to take Christ into my heart and ask him to come into my life again uh, and guide me. Because as they both said, God will never abandon you. God will always protect you. The people who came after me, who have virtually destroyed my life, are the exact same people who tried to destroy the president. Uh, they did it in the phony Russian collusion hoax. They did it in Ukraine. They did it in my trial. But the Bible requires us to forgive them, not to seek vengeance. It's the single hardest thing that I have to do. I grapple with it every day. I pray for guidance with it every day. I believe many of these people are both corrupt and evil, but I refuse to hate them. Uh, so I, it, it's the hardest thing about being a Christian. Uh, in the meantime, I don't know what the future brings. People who want to help me can go to stonedefensefund.com. I have to raise the money for a potential appeal should I need one. Uh, I'm praying that the president will do the right thing. Um, I think it is, uh, I've always believed that God put him in this place at this time to be our leader because of his incredible courage and his incredible independence. Roger, I appreciate your candor. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to say to our audience, I hope you will join me in praying for Roger's release, his pardon, his vindication. You can find all of his books on Amazon. And if you'd like to sign a petition asking President Trump to pardon Roger Stone, you can visit freerogerstone.com. Already 400,000 people plus have done so. Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell us what else we have coming up on the show tonight? Because it's a lot. I am ready to go, Governor. Tonight, Florida Congressman Matt Gates. We're starting to see some real infringements on people's liberties. ABC News correspondent Paula Ferris. God was trying to get my attention that I needed to make a shift in my life. And best-selling author Matt Slicato. It's a time for faith, not a time for fear. Plus, Grammy Award-winning performer Clint Lack, right here on Huckabee. Next week, Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt shares the gift of forgiveness, and illusionist Reza will dazzle us. And our thanks to Trey Corley and the Music City Connection for providing safe social distance music for us again this week. You know, we've got the finest band in all the land. Well, my next guest is a member of Congress from the great state of Florida. He's my congressman, in fact, and he's just been appointed to President Trump's advisory committee on reopening the U.S. economy. Congressman Matt Gates, glad to have you back on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Governor. I want to get into um, some of the things that have been very controversial during the shutdown. Mayors, governors saying you can't go fishing, you can't mow your lawn, you can't buy seeds, you can't sit in your own car in the parking lot of a church. Uh, how many liberties are we willing to give up and for what purpose? How does that make us safer, some of those things? Obviously, no one in our country expected to be dealing with a crazy Chinese bat virus at this point in time. But in the wake of that experience, we have to have the spirit of a great American renewal. 
We have to understand that Americans have to be able to go outside again and interact with one another at safe distances with exquisite hygiene, but that we cannot fundamentally change American life. And my concern, Governor, is that particularly at the local government level, we're starting to see some real infringements on people's liberties, whether it's telling folks that they can't hang out in their own backyard or even in some cases, municipalities have used Chinese drones and video surveillance to spy on people in their own backyards. Or how about in New York City where the government was actually setting up snitch lines for neighbors to rat out other neighbors? Uh, I am so grateful that we have an attorney general like Bill Barr who wants to vindicate the rights and liberties of Americans. There are some legitimate concerns about not only government overreach, but if we're using Chinese drones, don't we have some anxiety that that information is gonna be sent right straight to the Chinese communist? Well, if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's truly a wake-up call about our relationship with China, whether it's the need to re-domesticate our supply chain, whether it's the need to pull funding from joint ventures like the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they had our resources but then didn't share information with the world about the sequencing of this virus, or whether it is, in fact, Chinese technology in our country deployed by Huawei or deployed by other Chinese companies in the form of telecommunications or yes, even video drones. And so in dealing with and defeating the Chinese Wuhan virus, we should not invite China to have a greater role in our country for us to be more reliant on China or potentially to even risk a public health crisis becoming a national security risk. The president appointed you to be on the Congressional Advisory Committee on Reopening the Economy. What are some of the steps that you're going to recommend that uh, we need to take to get businesses up and running and people back to work, 26 million out of work right now? How do we start fixing that? I met with the president this week and discussed recommendations that involved layering on opportunity for people to get back to work as soon as possible. I don't believe that every industry, every circumstance, every region of the country is going to deal with the same level of risk or the same acuity of disease. And so I think that empowering local communities to be able to reopen with the best medical advice is important. It's also important, Governor, that we use this as an opportunity to raise the standards for our healthcare capacity. I believe people will have more confidence to be able to engage in economic activity again if we see that we in fact have more ability in our country to uh, have our pharmaceuticals made here, if we have ventilators that are made here, if we have more uh, elastic capacity in our hospital systems to be able to respond if there are any flare-ups. I think those are the types of steps that give people confidence. And I think that as we begin to reopen, uh, you know, small doctor's offices, nurse practitioners, dentists, uh, will continue to see that confidence build within the American people. Congressman, before we let you go, Roger Stone was just with us in the segment before you. Uh, you were on The View and got criticized, big surprise, uh, when you said you would support a pardon for Roger Stone. Would you still support one? And do you think the president will do it? The president should pardon Stone, and I suspect he will. We've just learned in the last few days that 
our own government knew that the subsources of the steel dossier that they were using were the targets of Russian intelligence and that Russian intelligence was actually trying to use this process to discredit President Trump and discredit our election. Now that we know that the origins of this investigation were so deeply flawed, I think it's understandable uh, to not have Roger Stone disproportionately carry the burden of the Mueller experience that we probably should have never gone through in the first place. I agree wholeheartedly. My thanks to Congressman Matt Gates. You can follow him on issues that matter to you on social media at Rep. Mac Gates. It's on your screen. Visit his official congressional page at gates.house.gov. Keith Bilbrey is about 500 miles away, but he's still ready to tell us what's on the show coming up. Oh, and we've still got a great show ahead of us. Coming up, comedian Ron Hortman and journalist Paula Ferris. Later, it's author Max Lucado and country music star Clint Black, all on Huckabee. Huckabee is brought to you in part by Trivita.com, helping you experience greater wellness. Welcome back. Comedian Ron Hortman was going to be in our studio, but he's in lockdown just like the rest of us. But thanks to our friends at drybarcomedy.com, where you can watch clean comedians anytime you like, we're going to be able to bring you Ron and his thoughts on living in America and what first world problems are like. This is crazy, y'all. Uh, I was having a bad day, y'all. You ever have a day so bad that you call one of your friends? that you know was doing worse than you. <laughs> so you feel better about your situation. I called my friend, I was like, hey man, you get that job? He said, nah, I said, good, good. You should get a tattoo on your face. You'll stand out in the interviews. <laughs> I'm glad y'all laughing, y'all, because right now as a country, we in a bad place. Because we so divided. Everybody divided, all because of that election. I learned something. Donald Trump is 70 years old, and Hillary Clinton is 70 years old. I called my grandma. I said, Grandma, it's jobs out there if you're serious. <laughs> you just can't sit in the rocket chair looking cute. Grandma, get out there and do something for yourself. You ain't raised us like that. <laughs> Too much information on the news, y'all. Kids watch the news. They know what's going on in the world. I saw some kids outside playing Ebola. <laughs> yes. You got Ebola. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I was on hazmat. I was on hazmat. But you didn't have no insurance. You didn't have no insurance. I called Obamacare. I called Obamacare. I recently moved, uh, kind of depressing. Not that I moved to a bad place, but everything I own fit inside a truck that cost $19.99. <laughs> And they offered me the insurance for $9.99, and it just wasn't worth it. 
And my new neighbor is a thug, but he homeschooled his kids. So every morning they outside playing. I don't know if they skipping school or they on recess. And I'm just too scared to ask. This year is flying by, y'all. Uh, I said I'm gonna complete things that I started last year. I started an after-school program for kids where they can come and do their homework. Yes, I yeah, thank you. Yeah. I serve Chinese food. I call it homewalk. That's how my jokes are. I just throw them out there. So for you to catch them. I am, uh, be honest with y'all, I started this whole comedy thing because the NBA wasn't interested this time. I'm five, five and a half. That's not the funny part. See, women say things to me that they don't say to other men. They say stuff like, oh, you so cute. I'm a grown man. Why would you say that to me? Because everything is cute when it's little. She gonna tell me, if you was taller, you would be so, so handsome? I said, if your hair was longer, you was in better shape, you would be Beyonce. <laughs> and it never fails, after a show, somebody always walk up to me, they pat me on the back, good job, big man. Now I'm excited and confused at the same time. <laughs> Maybe I am kinda big for a little man. Kind of like a jumbo shrimp. <laughs> or a megabyte. That's like me giving false hope to a blind man. Hey, Ryan, think I'll be able to see again? Yeah, we'll just play it by ear. <laughs> and that made me think, who cleans up after seeing eye dogs? Ron is a rising talent, having shared the stage with notable comedians like Bob Saget, Jay Moore, and Louie Anderson. We can't wait to get him in our studio. Of course, that's when we get back to live audience productions, and we hope it's soon. Keith Bilbrey is standing by, ready to tell you how to keep up with our talented friend, Ron Hortman. Well, you can enjoy the latest funny outlooks Ron has on our world by visiting ronhortman.com. And make sure you spell Ron, R-A-H-N. You can also follow his musings on the funny side of life on Twitter at Ron Hortman. Now, don't go away because still ahead, we have ABC News correspondent Paula Ferris. God was trying to get my attention that I needed to make a shift in my life. And best-selling author Max Lucado. I believe that God will get us through this. I really do. Plus, country music's Clint Black is on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. My next guest is an award-winning ABC News anchor and host of ABC's Journeys of Faith podcast. She's got a brand new book and it's called Called Out. 
why I traded two dream jobs for the life of True Calling. It is a pleasure to welcome Paula Ferris to the show. Paula, I love the book, and you're very candid. You talk very openly and with great transparencies about basically saying to the network executives at ABC, I don't want to do this like I've been doing it. It's killing me. <laughs> that was pretty yeah. bold. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, Governor, at the height of my career, I, I really burned out. I was doing exactly what society told me to lean in, and almost always that relates to career. So I was leaning in so hard, but at the expense of my family, at a professional high, but a personal low, you know, buying that lie that value is vocation, calling is career and worth is work. And I really felt a stirring in my spirit that at this professional high, you know, this calling that I've been chasing, that God wanted me to take a step back because I looked at the landscape around me, Governor, and it was a hot mess. My relationships with my husband, with my kids, with God, I wasn't attending church. Everything was suffering. My health started to suffer. And then, um, you know, I, I endured a season of hell, which I write about in the book, where I really believe God allowed this personal crisis it was a series of five events over seven months, just kind of freak accident after freak accident. And I knew God was saying, if you don't slow down, I'm going to get you to slow down. You talk about in the book some of the specific things. You got hit upside the head with an apple that gave you a concussion. You get over that, you're in a head-on collision. You get over that, you have surgery. Yeah. And I'm reading that and I'm thinking, yeah. Paula, how many times must God <laughs> speak to get your attention? You are a stubborn one, you are. I remember when the fifth incident happened, which was it wasn't really an incident, but it was pneumonia. My friend, um, who's Jewish, says, "Oh my gosh, it's like biblical. It's like Job." I but I knew that if I didn't, it, it, like I knew God was trying to get my attention, and He's like, "I'm going to get my your attention any way possible." You know, unfortunately, it was through that 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 you know season, but um, He got my attention for sure. So I know it had to be scary to say, I'm going to step away from really, really high profile network positions that most people would die for, and you're going to scale it back. What was the result of that? Not so much uh, vocationally, but how did that change Paula Ferris? What's been really great about this season, yes, there's a lot of unknown. Yes, you have to push through the fear and, and into faith. And I don't really know what's on the other side, but I feel like God called me to be obedient. I have my life back. Um, I have balance in my life with my husband and kids. You know, the, um, we're in a small group, really connected. And it's been really great. But God just really had to reveal to me that I need to stop intertwining my calling and purpose with things that are going to move and change, with things that are going to shift either in a personal crisis or in a pandemic. So he really revealed to me what true calling and true purpose are. And we have a faith calling and a purpose, which doesn't have anything to do with career. It's who we are to love God and love people. And that's never going to change. But then we have a vocational call, which can and will change on our life. But that's just the vehicle by which we'll love God and love people. So yes, I feel like I have my life back, but I have a whole different perspective on work. You know, the news business is not exactly a, a hotbed where people are known to gather around their desk and pray together every day. <laughs> and, and even though there are certainly people in the business who are believers, but did you have some pushback or maybe some skepticism or cynicism from some of your colleagues in the business who thought, uh, Paula's lost her mind. She's gone on this God kick and, and is missing out on the best of her career. A lot of people thought it was crazy, but I, I think once they understood the backstory a little bit in the context and, 
you know, the things that had been happening to me personally, there, it was, it was unequivocal that, that God was trying to get my attention, that I needed to make a shift in my life. And right now, what's been such a blessing is that, you know, when you take bold steps of faith and we've all got it in us taking that first step when we can't see the rest of the staircase, it opens up so many conversations that, that you wouldn't normally have had. So yes, it sounded crazy, but now people are approaching me saying, I respect you so much. You know, how is it that you have such peace amongst the turmoil? And it just opened up um, some really amazing conversations. Paula Ferris, thank you so much. Uh, the message of the book is called Called Out. Your worth is more than your work. And boy, is that ever a message a lot of people need right now. Paula, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Governor. Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us how to get a copy of Paula's timely book. Why, certainly, Governor. Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling is available now at Amazon and other fine booksellers. You can listen to Journeys of Faith under podcast at abcradio.com and follow Paula Ferris on Facebook and on Twitter at Paula Ferris. Still ahead, Pastor Max Licato and country music legend Clint Black. More Huckabee is on the way. Watch the full show or your favorite segment anytime you like. It's on demand at Huckabee.tv. Welcome back. You know, I've been called a lot of things, not many of which are good. But Max Lucado, my next guest, has been called America's pastor and the best preacher in America. Now, his books have sold over 100 million copies. That is a staggering number of books, all in 54 languages. One of those books is quite timely for dealing with a shutdown of our normal routines. It's Max Lucado's book, You'll Get Through This. Max Lucado, I'm so glad you're joining us. What good timing to have you. Well, Governor, it's a great privilege. You know I have such high regards for you and the work that you do, and these are unusual times, and I'm thankful that your voice is still present to help us make sense of them. You've been uh, a very important figure on the TBN network during all of this and your special spots as well as your uh, program, but the book, you'll get through this. I, I saw the title. I said, you know, you released that a while ago, but what's the message that people need to get, not just from your book, but through this very tough time we're going through. Yeah, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament is a perfect story for a day like this. You remember very well the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Uh, he was actually promoted to be prime minister of Egypt during a time of global catastrophe. His story emerged from a dysfunctional family. He was sold into slavery. He ended up in prison for through no fault of his own. And yet God used all of that to train him, to equip him, to position him to be the prime minister of Egypt and to guide the world through a famine. He knew exactly what to do because he listened to God. And I think that story is so encouraging, Governor. I believe that God will get us through this. Now, exactly how he will get us through it, I don't know. But I do know it's a time for faith, not a time for fear. And he's going to use this to develop our character and to reveal his personality. 
Max, so many people are feeling alone and detached, separated from their family, their friends, their work. Everything that's normal about their lives has been uprooted. How do they deal with the isolation, that sense of uh, being abandoned? You know, there's some, so many great mm. stories in the Bible of Jesus getting people through storms. I remember that famous story of when the disciples were in a storm for like seven or eight hours. And in the middle of the morning or late at night, Christ came walking to them on the water. When they first saw him, they said, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. They misinterpreted the one who came to help them. And many people, I think, are misinterpreting the character of God right now. They're saying uh, things about God that are simply not true, that God has abandoned us or God has forgotten us or God is punishing us in their misunderstanding God. What we need to do in a season like this is lay claim to the character of God as revealed in Scripture. God is always loving. He is always sovereign. He is always fair. We need to lay hold of those. And then we say, Lord, I trust in you. Now, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to learn? Faith is not so much, I know what God is doing. Faith is more, I know who God is and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to listen and learn from what he's teaching. Max, time and again, TBN calls upon you because uh, of the message capacity you have for our audience. But I want you to tell us about the special that you've got coming up on TBN. Yes, sir. And I'm so grateful for TBN uh, for facilitating this. But for three consecutive Friday nights, uh, we have a, uh, an opportunity to open the Bible, uh, study the Bible, and receive some wonderful music. And the theme of this three-week three episode is we will get through this. We will get through this. Mm -hmm. And the TBN team has, has lined up some wonderful communicators um, and, uh, and, and also some wonderful musicians, uh, not the least of which is Andrea Bocelli. Uh, and so extraordinary opportunity for us to have a message from the Bible as well as music that will lift our hearts. And uh, it's under the theme, we will get through this. I'm sure we will. And thanks for your reminder of that. Uh, it's a delight to have you here, Max Lucado. Keith Bilbrey, please tell everybody how they can get more encouragement from our friend, Max Lucado. Unshakable Hope and You'll Get Through This are available at Amazon and other booksellers and through maxlicato.com, where you'll also find his videos, sermons, Bible studies, and more. And be sure to watch We Will Get Through This right here on TBN on Friday, May 1st and Friday, May 8th. Coming up next, celebrate America with Clint Black. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. For more of Mike's commentary and analysis on the news, go to Huckabee.tv and watch Facts of the Matter. Welcome back. 30 years ago, my next guest burst onto country music with his debut album, Killin' Time. In the past three decades, he's charted 22, that's right, 22 number one hit songs, including A Better Man, When My Ship Comes In, and when I say I do. We're excited that he's got a brand new album coming out titled Out of Sane. 
here to tell us about it. One of our favorites, Clint Black. Clint, welcome to the show. Delighted to have you, even in the midst of a coronavirus uh, safe distancing. Yes, I'm uh, a lot less germy here with you today. As I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you, Governor. Clint, I know you love this country. You've uh, you've often talked about it. You've sung about it. You got a brand new song out that really nails it. I think America is going to fall in love with the song "America." I'm still in love with you. Tell us about the background of this song and why you're so excited about it. I uh, I came up with the idea right before the shutdown happened, and uh, and I just I thought you know, maybe kind of tricking the ear at first uh, sounds like a love song and you find out, oh, it is a love song, but it's to our country. And my buddy Steve Warner had come over to show me his new guitar and I said, listen to this idea. And I, I told it to him and he said, oh, we have to write that. And I, I just launched into it and we started writing the song on the spot. And before it was half finished, I was texting musicians to see who was available. And about four days later, we were recording it. I barely made it uh, to my deadline to include it on the album. I'm so glad you did. We're going to play just a little clip of it because I want our audience not just to hear it, but I want them to have an appetite for it so that they will absolutely want to get the new album because of it. Here's, here's Clint Black and this beautiful song, America's Still in Love with You. Just a little bit of it. I'm still in love with you in spite of all our ups and downs. We've gone our separate ways come back around and even when we fight just a little or a lot when it comes to friends you're the best one that I've got and I'm still in love with you so Clint we've been talking about the fact you've got a brand new album called Out of Sane you wrote you produced it uh what is it about this recording that Clint Black fans, and there are a bunch of them, are going to really love? I think it's uh, mostly that it'll be a lot of uh, me. Um, you know, for anyone who's uh, enjoyed my music over the years, this is uh, still me doing what I do. I'm not trying to trend. I'm just trying to make good music with great musicians and with songs that I wrote myself. And so hopefully I'm better. I think we get better with age if we work at it. And uh, I feel like I'm making better records today than I did 30 years ago uh, from a sound standpoint. And hopefully I'm still writing as well. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Having heard a few of the songs on this album, I think the, uh, the Clint Black fans across the country are going to say this is the best work you've put out. And I know they can pre-order the album. So tell us how to do that. Well, uh, one way is to go to George Strait. Wait, that's clintblack.com. Uh, George Strait was taken. I had to go with my own name. Uh, go to <laughs> clintblack.com and there'll be links there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm there being a twit and uh, Instagram, all of those places. Uh, you can get it on Apple Music. Uh, you can hear the song on Apple and Spotify, uh, Amazon, uh, all those uh, places that carry music are carrying it. And you can pre-order the album and get it in all the old familiar ways. We're going to do a cut from the album, a song called With Love. And it was done virtually with you and your own personal studio, Trey Corley and the band in Nashville, all in separate pods. And uh, you even, 
I guess you just had a weak moment. You allowed me to play bass on the song from Florida. So it's going to be pretty they cool to the best, take the technology. They said you were the best out. bass player in your, in your price range. So we had to go with you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you, uh, I've seen you play. You, you've got the chops and uh, you played some complicated well, stuff. So you're not just uh, messing around over there. Well, tell that to Trey Corley because he sure thinks I am, and uh, you're kind to say it. <laughs> my my own band has been yeah. trying to replace me with a Nashville singer for years, so we all go through that. <laughs> when we get through this coronavirus, uh, you got to promise to come to the theater, uh, perform with us uh, with a big, wonderful, appreciative audience, uh, because this is going to one day be done, and we'll be back to uh, some semblance of normal. Well, I appreciate you asking. I'd love to. You know, we've been trying to to get that done for a while, and uh, uh, I love your show. The audience is fantastic. The band is great. Uh, you have one of the best uh, sounding bands in television. The mix, everything is just uh, top top shelf. Well, you're very kind. Well, thank you for joining us because uh, it is truly a thrill to visit with you again and to have you on. Now, in a moment, you're going to get to hear Clint perform with our band and the likes of me. But first, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you how you can stay connected with Clint Black. Well, Clint Black's Out of Sane releases June 19th and includes America Still in Love with You. You can find out more on his website, clintblack.com. And stay tuned for a final thought from Mike. But first, performing with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, Here's country music star Clint Black. I think love is winning out. It's what most of us are all about. I know it's always on the way. Even if it doesn't come today It's a gift that's meant to last As bright as light and twice as fast They say it makes the world go round It's the strongest thing I've ever found so don't tell me it's not enough I've seen what people do with love They'll go beyond or way above the call Even for someone they'll never know We've all seen how far love will go To lift you up or catch you when you fall Fool yourself but don't tell me it's not enough Seeing what people do with love Love is always on our side It'll find us even when we hide And get us through the fire and rain We're twice the joy and half the pain can pour your heart out 
Our thanks to Clint Black, Roger Stone, Congressman Matt Gates, Paula Ferris, and Max Lucado for being our guest tonight. And to announcer Keith Bilbrey, and to our incredible band of Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Now, a reminder, if you'd like to be part of our virtual audience, be sure and go to Huckabee.tv and get your virtual tickets for next week and meet me at the couch. A special get well wish to one of our regular guests in the Huckabee Theater for many of our tapings. Judd Byler and his wife, Rebecca, have joined us many times as part of our studio audience. Judd had to travel for work a little over a month ago, and when he came back, he was diagnosed with coronavirus. He's been recovering for quite a while. It's been a tough battle for Judd and his family, and all of us want to wish him a full recovery. And to you and your family, we thank you for trusting us with your time. We hope we inform, inspire, and entertain you. While we all work to get through these tough times in our world, we're reminded that the greater the darkness, the more powerful is even a little bit of light. So be kind and thoughtful to others, generous when you're able, and never lose your sense of humor. The Bible says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So take your medicine and laugh a little. It really can be the greatest prescription that you've got in your home. Until next week, this is Mike Huckabee. Thanks for being with us. God bless.